Welcome to the Recovery Lab podcast. We're glad you were able to join us. Recovery Lab hopes to destigmatize addiction and normalize recovery. Our platform provides an avenue to share the many stories of those that have recovered from addiction, providing for the listener the most basic antidote to addiction. Hope. Hello, welcome to a special episode of Recovery Lab. I am Bryn Knox. I'm Daniel Anderson. And we are talking to Lori McDougal tonight. Um, I found out about Lori because I currently work for a grant called the Cedar Horizons Grant. Um, We're based out of UMC. And one thing that... um, they were doing at the beginning was looking for, you know, resources for not only, you know, the addict or the alcoholic, but also um, the families. And so that's when we touched base with a organization called Allies in Recovery. And Lori, I would love for you to tell us more about that and um, get to know more about you and Allies in Recovery um, over the next few minutes. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, that sounds good. Um, so Allies in Recovery is a, um, it's a website, and it's for families that have a loved one with substance use disorder. Okay. Um, it's founded, um, the foundation of Allies in Recovery is a, um, a it, it's a program called Community Reinforcement and Family Training. So craft, okay. um, which is the only evidence-based, and I, I, I don't like to throw that word out there <laughs> that much, but yeah, it's, yeah. It, it is the only evidence-based methodology for families that are um, impacted by addiction um, and someone who's living with substance use disorder. And it's based in um, well-founded, well-studied basic psychological principles on how you can interact and communicate with your loved one and create an environment where they're more likely to progress forward, move closer to recovery. Um, And uh, as I'm sure many family members out there know how frustrating how difficult it is. Devastating. It's it's crippling. It's right. paralyzing. I it's mean, let's let's throw these nice words yeah. out there. Let's be honest yeah, about what this I does can, to families. I can throw, I can yeah. throw some pretty <laughs> nasty words out there myself. Yeah, it is. It's devastating. Um, but I, I will tell you this: you, in your opening, you talk about the antidote for addiction as being hope and. Right. That is the one thing that craft and allies and recovery gave to me um, as a mom who was struggling with her son's opioid addiction. Sure. Tell us more. Tell us more about that because I, I I love when people are in this line of work that have lived experience, you know. And okay. I would love to hear from a mom what your journey has been like. Um. Okay. Well, it was. <laughs> It's been long, yeah. And sure. um, I and uh, you know we can we can kind of start at the beginning. I mean, I will say that we have as long as we need. Okay. So yeah. Th- okay. Th- th- we're good. Okay. You're good, right? I'm good. Okay. okay. I'm good. 
I'm here till 10 o'clock if we need to be. Okay. This is so, a good thing. Um, yes. <laughs> I'll go till 8. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So, you know, my son did always dabble in, in, uh, in with substances, but okay. pot in particular. Pot sure, was sure. his big, um, always, always. I want to say now I know. I didn't know back then, but it was around 11 was when he started smoking pot. And <clears throat> I believe it was, you know, he had a really good friend who had older brothers. Right. And so he was around it. I, and I'm not blaming them because that's that's not it. It's so common. It's not it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not it. And he did struggle with mental health conditions. I sure. mean, he was absolutely bipolar from the time he was really, really young. So that piece was already there. Right. How did you know? Um, how did you know that from such a young age? Oh, you know, looking back now, I I could have predicted it. Yeah. I could have predicted it because he just cried constantly, and I I had like a direct line to the pediatrician, mm. right? Where it was like, oh my god, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help him, and. Um, he was always underweight. He was, you know, just a whirlwind of energy. And then, you know, he he was always very good in school and he was brilliant. I mean, he was a really smart kid, but he wasn't doing anything when he was in school. And mm. I know now looking back, this was depression. This was anxiety. This was depression. Sure. This was bipolar. Um, but that's really how it started. And as a mom, you think... We're going through a phase here. Right. Yeah. yeah, he'll grow out of it. Right, he'll grow out of it. I tried substances, pot, right. alcohol, right? Mm -hmm. When I was when I was a teenager, I wasn't eleven, but I was I was much older. But sure. But and um I was fine mm -hmm. and my husband was fine. So why wouldn't he be fine? Um, but there were a lot of things that I didn't take into account, like both of our families, both my husband and I have plenty of people in the family that have um problems with substances so why wouldn't i right yeah. why wouldn't right. someone in my family have it um i was <clears> wondering <throat> if you had it anywhere in your family yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah and mental illness sure. uh you know at, on both sides both sides had uh, mental illness and um but it wasn't Sounds like my my kind of family reunion, right, right there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't until I I knew we had a real problem, right? I I when started. Was when was that? Well, I would say he was in college, mm -hmm. and he had moved from one school to another. He got into the second school, and I picked him up for his um, Christmas holiday to come home, and he said to me, "You know." I'm thinking I might join the military okay? because they might pay for my schooling. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Since yeah. when did you care right. who pays for your schooling? Right. And then, and then it came out that he had only passed two of his classes. He dropped out of one of his classes. And then it started to come out that there was an awful lot of party. And he started talking about the roommate and I and so his father and I had said, okay, that's it. You're going to stay home. We're not paying college tuition so that you can go and party. Right. You can go to a community college. You can stay here with us. And and um, so that's what we did. And he was at home 
incredibly athletic person, right? He's lifting weights mm-hmm. with his dad. He was playing hockey in like a town team and um, he super was active, really active. And we are incredibly or were incredibly involved in the community. We owned a bagel shop that um, everybody in town came to this bagel shop. I was a um, I, I was a hockey coach for a girls hockey team my husband was the awesome my husband was the goalie coach for the girls team and um I was a teacher high school math teacher and so we were really embedded in the community and um and my husband owned an engineering company and my son was working for him at the engineering company and uh we went out to the Christmas party for the for that company and um he was he was also seeing a counselor and he was prescribed benzos he was uh prescribed xanax okay Mm. okay so that night he missed his dose we went to the christmas party he came because he was also working part-time for my husband he had a couple at the bagel place no this is at the engineering company okay gotcha gotcha he um, had a couple of drinks, and we didn't think anything of it. And then um, apparently he took he took the Xanax because he had missed the dose. He took an extra Xanax. And then Saturday was the next morning, and I woke up and um, had to let the dog out. And when I went to li- let the dog out, I heard this unbelievable noise. And it was a, it sounded like a seal is what I, and the whole house shook. And I was like, what the heck was that? Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, let the dog out, brought the dog back in. And I heard it again when I was shutting the door and I thought it was my husband maybe having a heart attack. And so I ran to the top of the stairs. And when I got to the top of the stairs, I realized it wasn't coming from my room. It was coming from my son's room. And I knew, I knew, oh, this is not going to be good, and I'm going to cry. It's okay. And sure enough, he was overdosed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was really bad. It was... Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was bad, and um, he ended up being uh, put on life support. He was on life support for about four days, and uh, that's when the word heroin started getting thrown around, was at the hospital. Mm. And that's when it was like, okay, we're in for some trouble. We're, you know, we've got a long route. Yeah, and up until this time, we thought it was alcohol and pot and then the prescribed Xanax. Yeah, and I didn't think he was misusing the Xanax either. Um, But mixing the Xanax, the alcohol... Right. And then and then using um, using he was snorting heroin at the time. And so it was um, and I can't imagine. Yeah, it was it was not good. It was. And that and that was the first time I heard heroin. Yeah, and I was like, what? The other thing is, I didn't know heroin. Like, where the heck did he get heroin? Right. right? right. Like well, only homeless people do heroin uh, or oh, something. Yeah. It was not around anymore right right like where was this coming from um and that's when my journey started uh Mm. with oh i gotta get educated i gotta figure out and all i knew about heroin was getting off of it's gotta be really bad yeah i knew from the movies 
Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You take someone and you put them in a hotel and you lock them in the room for six days and then they come out and they're all good. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that was my perception. And I was like, how the heck are we going to do this? Um, and yeah, from there, it was it was a really long journey for us. I mean, immediately. Um, what were the first few things you learned? First few things I learned. Oof. That's a tough one because I will tell you this. I was so traumatized by it because I also found him. Yeah. And I was so traumatized by it that for the first six months I was, we talked about being paralyzed. I was paralyzed. Sure. I couldn't do anything. I could not get off the couch. And I can't even explain it. It's not even really a deep depression. It's more like a numbness. And it's more like a, I can't even, I can't move. I can't do anything. And I, I remember my husband saying to me, you know, when when are you going to get up off the couch? Yeah. And I was like, well, I promise if at the end of six months I'm not off the couch, I'll go get some professional so help. So did, did <laughs> your son pass away or did he survive? No, he survived. Okay, he but survived. still still with that, the, the trauma of finding him was enough to, I mean, that would be enough for anyone to do yeah. just about anything. But that was what, the, what really triggered this period of just s- – permanent self-reflection there for a little bit it sounds like i mean just kind of just a sad darkness um yeah it's just sitting there yeah i I can't even were you numb were you yeah yeah Yeah, totally numb Uh, you know there were days of just crying and crying and crying there were days of just i can't believe that this is where we are there were there were days of what am i gonna do um and we did get him, in, and all the while I had to pull it together to get him into treatment, to get him, right? And and I remember him being in the hospital and him saying to me, when I come home, and I said, you're not coming home. Yeah. I, you're not. You're not coming home. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, uh, actually, we're going to pick you up. I'm going to empty your bedroom into the car, and we're going to pick you up. And we had bought another house. And I'm like, we're putting the house on the market, and you will never step foot in that house again. Mm. And um, good for you. And I was like, you're going to treatment. Like it might take us a while, but you're going to treatment. And he was didn't fight me at all. Good. Yeah. What did um, what did that process look like as far as like, how did you find treatment? What treatment center did you know? Okay, he needs to go to this one because there's just so many options these days. What did your process look like with that? Um, you know, that's a really great question. Um, I don't even know. How did I find that place? I found this really great place, uh, Life Skills down in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe the hospital helped me. Oh, my oldest daughter actually knew somebody from Boston in Boston and was in contact with them. And they said, send him to this place. Uh-huh. And that's how we got him in. And it, t- it took us a couple of weeks. Um, he he had overdosed on the 19th of December, and then he got released on Christmas Eve day. So on the 24th, I emptied, I did, I emptied his room out into the van. Mm-hmm. I picked him up, and I drove him to Massachusetts. We were living in Connecticut at the time, and I drove him to Massachusetts, and 
And then we spent at least another two weeks waiting for him to be able to go into treatment in this in this place life skills what was that two weeks like right that's exactly what mm-hmm. I yeah was yeah i know exactly tense? what you're thinking of yeah really tense it wasn't in the beginning he and i have to tell you he's so apologetic yeah he is so he i am so sorry well i don't know why i'm doing this to you and um but that lasted only so long, and then he was in withdrawal, and he was miserable. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just, and um, it built up and built up, and then by the time we got to Florida to bring him there, so, you know, we get there, we get into the hotel, and he's not going to go in until the next day, and he was just picking fights with us the entire time, and it was like, my husband and I were like, just get him there. Just, right, right. Right, hold it together, let him flip out, let him do yeah. whatever, just hold it together until we get him there. And then once we got him there, you know, there was this whole intake um, time frame, and he was angry at that point. I, I think probably trying to think of any possibility way that he could get out of sure going yeah right but he also knew i I was like you're not coming home yeah you're just not so your options are run away or stay here and he's in a place where he knows nobody right right and so he stayed when he was you know up and down with his you know willingness and all that kind of stuff was there anything he said in particular that was almost kind of convincing like any moment where you're like, okay, maybe, maybe this is a big decision and maybe. No. Okay. He, he never did that. He just got angry at us. Mm. He was just, he knew he, he couldn't argue with us as to whether he was going or not. That wasn't, Good. that was never a, cause he knew I was like, yeah, okay, well, yeah. Right. You're going. Uh-huh. Right. And there's so, a strong boundary here for you. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's just not there's not an it's not an option to to come back to the house at least not right now. Mm-hmm. Um and uh and so the fights were more like, you know, I can't download my iTunes music. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> yeah. like but like totally like what are you two? You know that <laughs> mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But sure. and we just my husband and I just hung we just hung with it, went with it. Nope. Nope. Okay. Yep. Sounds hard. Yep. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. You know, yeah. Let's get there. Bye. <laughs> you know. Um. And I know that um I know that you're journey with him what's it been eight years so far yeah and it's had its ups and downs so tell us about the first down well I mean it went up and down and up and down I mean that was not as that may have been his first yeah treatment stint but that was not his last I mean he went like 11 different times at least that I can remember Mm -hmm. um he was in recovery homes in and out he was in the patient brokering system down in Florida for a while um just all over the place he went to places in Connecticut he went and we were up and down I mean the whole time it was you know he'd come home I I learned a lot of things um he'd come home I would know to set up boundaries 
and then he would do something. One of my big things always was when he would come home, it was, you cannot be using opioids and living here mm-hmm. because I love you. And it's too dangerous for us and too dangerous for you. And so if you're using opioids, where are you going to go? I got a list. You can make some phone calls. Your dad and I will support um, a treatment facility. We'll support a recovery home. We'll help you get to a shelter if you need that. We won't give you money or a car. We won't. You know, if you're going to go couch surfing, that's your business. Um, but these are the things that if if you're using opioids, we love you way too much to let you just stay here. Here's where you go. And what happened was he would leave and then he would come back. And every time he came back, I would figure out what it was that he had done before that was too difficult to deal with. I would tighten down those boundaries. And I, I, I know people are going to, people often are like, what, why would you do that? But uh, I'll just give you an example of what happened, especially this last, the last time that he came home. The time previous to the very last time he was at home and he would ask us to take him to these particular meetings. Now, what he doesn't know is his mother had gone to all of those meetings. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew who and what was there and what was going on and all of that. And so he would ask us to go to these particular meetings. And I just knew oh, he's going to get his drugs. Maybe not in the meeting, but he's at least meeting someone there mm-hmm. and getting drugs and, um, and using. And uh, so I had told him the next time that he came back he he had called me up he was in the patient brokering system down in Florida called me up and he said I'm not going to be able to do it down here because what was happening is the the broker would meet him at the um, recovery house that he entered Mm -hmm. bring him his drugs have him use get him into the next treatment center get the kickback wait for him to finish treatment and then meet him at the next recovery house with drugs. What? Ha- yeah. Oh, yeah. What? Yep. Yep. That's what was happening. And this happened with him. It happened about three times. And it was actually on the third time he called me up and said, I'm not going to be able to do it. Guy just keeps meeting me at the recovery house, brings me my drugs, and puts me in the next treatment facility. Isn't that and crazy? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. That happens? Mm-hmm. Isn't there like a documentary or something about people that do that? Well, I think I think there is. And I don't know. There's a guy. There was a guy, Tra- Tracy Chapman, I think, down in Boynton Beach. I'm pretty sure. Um, and he was there what? during the whole <laughs> Tracy Chapman thing. Yeah. Look it up. Google it. Yeah. Google Tracy Chapman brokering uh, brokering in florida if there's one surefire way to go to hell that's, that's probably it. the way to do it yeah yeah yep yep so he he called me up and i was like okay i gotta think about this right and um so what i did was i tightened down those boundaries mm-hmm. and i told him don't ask me to go to any meetings for the first six months. I'm not bringing you. If you need a meeting, you can get virtual. You can do 
Right. Smart recovery, whatever. Um, but don't ask me because I'm not bringing you. And there were a whole bunch of other things, things like um, uh, you can't be behind a locked door. And this was for me. Yeah. Because I was the one that was going to go nuts doing stupid things, you know, things like, I don't know, climbing the stairs and looking underneath the door to yeah. see where his feet were mm-hmm. in the bathroom, right? Like really, you know, I did some really wackadoodle things. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's so relatable. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that's, th- you're not, you're not out of the norm for that. I mean, people, you know, this is a family disease. It ravages families. Mm-hmm. So for you to be activated and, and try to do everything in your power to ensure that he's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not wackadoodle. It's not crazy. It's no, you're a mom that cares and loves about your, loves your son. Right. Period. Right. Um, there's, there's no shame, no shame in that. Well, thank you for that because, (laughs) because I don't hear that very frequently, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's where I was. I mean, I was in a really bad spot myself. I mean, there were actually times that I drove down. I, I live in this, um, next to this town, this city, uh, New Bedford, Mass. And it's not, it's a tough place. And mm-hmm. one night he disappeared and I was driving around New Bedford, man, looking for drug dealers with his pictures. So I could tell them to stay away from my son. Right. You, know? you have been there. Oh yeah. yeah. Like you, you've been in the trenches with this thing. Oh yeah. So call, um, call the numbers on yeah. the, on the phone bill. Hey, are you my son's drug uh, you're dealer? Not, yeah. you're, you're not out yeah. of the norm with that. Right. Like, we've had lots of guests on the recovery lab that were, you know, families of the of the affected who did some much more wild things oh, than yeah. that. So I, I believe right. it. You're, you're 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 in a safe place right now. I assure you that. Thank you. Yeah. I'm so curious. So when like when through oh, when throughout your journey <laughs> Did you find allies in recovery? Uh, that's a great question. So um, I actually had a cousin who was going through the same thing that I had gone through. She was about a year ahead of me, and she knew how I thought because um, everybody kept telling me, kick him out of your life, right? Don't let him back home, like yeah. all this kind of stuff. And I was like, they were weaponizing my love is what right. is what my mm. thoughts were. And my cousin said to me, you know, have you ever heard of craft? I was like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, you need to Google it. It's the way we think, Laurie. You need to Google it. And so I did. And I Googled craft. And the Allies in Recovery website was the first thing that came up. Mm-hmm. And I was started reading, started looking at, there's modules on there, these videos right, and activities. Right. Um I started reading through it. I started looking at these videos and doing the activities and instantly was like, this is it. Mm. This is it. I found it. And, um, and I started implementing some of the communication skills right off the bat and saw immediately saw a total different response from my son. So like everything I was doing before was isolating him and pushing him farther and farther away. He was lying more and more and hiding things more and more I changed and started listening to him and not blaming him for my anxiety and telling him that it wasn't his responsibility to make me feel better right and I started really listening to him like listening not to respond Mm. 
Right. But to get quiet. It sounds simple, but when you really oh. think about it, it's that's a fundamental shift in how we listen. Um, so go on. I, I love these examples yeah. of, of how we can relate to. But you're right. It is a fundamental shift, and it's such a big shift for family members because we feel we're so scared. We're, I'm, uh, you know, I was traumatized. I saw him basically dead. Yeah. Right. Right. And so I always felt like it needs an immediate response. I need to do something right away. I need to demand. I need to force, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I came up with these really incredible ideas that I'm a former high school math teacher. I, I solve problems for a living. That's what I do. (laughs) And I had come up with all these ideas. I know Here's another meeting story for you. I'll I'll find AANA meetings that meet in the same area as Al-Anon meetings. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we can go together. <laughs> yeah, twenty-six-year-old son wants to go with his mother to meetings, right? Like, why isn't that a great idea? You know, right, right. But it. You should have like a two-way mirror too, like <laughs> you can see, like yeah, make sure there your he kids is. in there. There he is. <laughs> that's um, my boy. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Hi, honey. <laughs> yeah, he loves you. Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine, right, yeah, this poor yeah. kid? Um, but once I found that craft and I found allies and recovery and I started implementing these things, I started to I started to see it. Mm. I started to to back off of that and oh I need to build on my relationship with him I need to start to understand where he's coming from right I need to meet him where he's at and stop trying to force him to do what I think he should do sure right and uh and also I mean there's a lot more to it because there's a lot of interactive skills like um rewarding positive behavior well when you've got someone with addiction, all you do is focus on what they're, you know, the Doing horrible wrong, things. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. the wrong, the wrong, the wrong. And that's all they are. And that's all based on our own fear of what it's going to be like if they continue to do what right. they what they did in the past. So right. we're holding them hostage to the way that they were in the past. Right, right. And, and it, you I... You can do no right. I know what yeah. you did in the past. Right. And... You're and, never going to do that again. Right. And the negative talk, right? Oh, my God. Can you believe what you're doing to your father? Right. I can't believe you're right. doing this to your dad. And, uh-huh. you know, you know, how can you do this to me? You know, I love you right. so much. Why won't you tell me? Stop lying to me. Right? Like, uh, or I got on the proof trap. I call it the proof trap. It's like being, it's like being a hamster on a hamster wheel. I'd go into his room. I'd go look and I'd find the proof. And then I'd bring it out and I'd go, see, right. I know you're using. And he'd go, right. no, that's not mine. That's, I'm holding it's never it for, ours. I'm holding it for <laughs> right. a friend. What's right. this bong? I, I have no idea. This is marijuana. Right. I, this is the first I'm hearing of this. Oh, that, well, that was, oh, now that was before. Right, right I don't right. use it anymore. Uh-huh. Right. Sure. You know, all, and I'd go, oh, I better go get some more proof. Right. Right. Yeah. And then, and then I learned, no, step back. Step back. If you think he's using, he probably is. Start trusting your mama gut. Right. And if he is, and then and then respond respond to that. Don't react to it. Respond to that. And do it in a way that you're gonna address it 
You're not going to be demanding and aggressive. You're also not going to be a doormat, right? Tiptoe around, right. big elephant in the room. You're going to address it, and uh, and you're going to hold to some boundaries, but you're going to do it in a really calm way. Um, and learning to, I, I now am much better at kind of my own emotional regulation, calming myself down, really listening to him. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then. Did you learn the emotional regulation, all that kind of stuff from craft? Yeah. Is that part of it? Yeah, it is. It okay. is. Even without being aware that you're actually learning that. Mm. Sure. Yeah. And it's kind of built into the whole. It is. It's key. Right. To pulling this off. It's key. You have to learn how to emotionally regulate. And, um, and actually that's when the big shift came uh-huh. for me. That's when, and that's when I, I, um, you know, everybody had always, everybody had always said to me, make sure and take care of yourself. Make sure and take care of yourself. And I used right. to think, you know, having my nails done is not going to make him stop using heroin. I mean, that's just, this is ridiculous, this self-care thing. Yeah. But there's right? something to that. Oh, well, now I get it. Right. That's, that emo- that's the emotional regulation. That's self-care. And boy, does it stink. I don't really like doing yeah. it. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, I got to do it. Rather get my right. nails done. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Yeah. I, you know, and I started to realize, oh, self-care is, can be pretty basic. Mm. Make sure and get enough sleep. Eat. Stay hydrated. Right? It doesn't right. have to be, you know, go get your hair dyed. Right. It doesn't have to be that. That's great in all of that. But it's in that critical moment when you're getting ready to react. Um, and I'll tell you, my key now, what helps me with that regulation, is I stop myself and I ask myself, do you want to be helpful or do you want to be hurtful? Right. Are you going to help or are you going to hurt? And then it's like, okay, no, I want to help. <laughs> I want to help. I, ha- I have to. Okay, so I have. I'm very curious here. All right, so uh, about a year ago, I've been going to 12 step meetings since I was my first meeting when I was eight was when I was 18, and I'm 39 now, and I'm just now coming up on three years sober. So that tells you a, a whole lot about the process of you know in and out of the room. So. And in this last, in the last year, um, you know, I was struggling with um, controlling loved ones um, because they're not acting right. They're not, you know, they don't go to a meeting every day. They're not working the program like that, you know, and and this is, uh, so uh, a a friend of mine was like, hey, why don't you, you know, why don't you go and and check out Al-Anon? I go and it's really, really helpful to to me and dealing with my ex-wife and trying to control things and um, so I did, and it's it's honestly fundamentally changed my life. Again, that word fundamentally, and I and I don't use that often, but these two instances are, are certainly, and and this instance for for sure is is a, a good use of the word. It has taught me how to detach with love, which is something that I I knew how to detach, 
but I didn't know how to detach with love. So I'm curious. My, my curiosity is piqued. Craft sounds an awful lot like Al-Anon. A lot of the principles seem to be the same. What are the similarities between Al-Anon and Craft? I don't, I'm not particularly worried about the differences. It's very easy for me to identify differences, but I think it's more difficult and more, and, and, but more effective to identify the similarities in certain things. So how does Al-Anon, how is it similar to Craft? I love this question because I also want you to know that I, I actually spent, um, when my son went to that very first treatment center, um, they had then, uh, when he left, when he was done with the program and he was there for about six months and when he left the program, they told him he needed to do, um, 90 meetings and 90 days. Right. So that's about the time when I was getting off the couch and, uh, you know, from my own deep depression and was like, okay, I'm going to get some professional help. Sure. But I decided I would do 90 meetings in 90 days, just like him. So I hit every Al-Anon, Naranon wow. meeting there is across the states of Rhode Island, Connecticut, and Massachusetts. Wow. Right? <laughs> I did. I believe you. I did. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes more than one. So I, 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 I bet believe, you I didn't do 90. I, I bet every you I did. cell in my more. body believes yeah, you. Yeah, I did. And, um, and I will tell you this. Al-Anon really helped me so much, right? Sure. I met some of the most wonderful people. Um, but I also learned that you need to have a good Al-Anon meeting because there were lots of meetings that I went into and depending on who was facilitating determined how this meeting was going to go. Sure. Yeah. Right? And I found some of them could be very negative and there was a lot of misinterpreting of the anecdotal information that was coming out of Al-Anon sure. and Naranon. So I'm just thinking of things like detach, detach with love. And people think oftentimes the detach means, you know, kick them out, don't have, no, no, no. And so what I will tell you. Emotionally is, detach. Is right. For me. Or, 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 um, or detach in the moment in the situation from sure. the situation but don't detach from your loved one. Like, right, 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 right. It doesn't. So, um, and believe it or not, it's very similar to what pediatricians tell you when you're raising your kids, right? Detach same. with love? Yeah. It's very yeah. much the same thing. You got a toddler throwing a temper tantrum. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Walk away. Yeah. And just And you let it happen, right? And right. then you come, you swoop back in. Right. And things you don't are going give it good. attention. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Same thing. So, um, the similarities, well, let me tell you this. Al-Anon and Naranon tells you what you should do. Craft gives you the skills to do it. Hmm. There's the answer. They line up perfectly I love with that. one another. Me too. They line up perfectly. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I, I didn't know if I had to be like team craft or team Al-Anon. Right. I was yeah. curious. I was curious you about don't have that. To, you don't have to pick and choose. They're, they line up really wonderfully with one another. And and. What, what's amazing to me is, Alanon, I mean, you go in there and boundaries, lots of talk about boundaries, right. but you start asking people in Alanon what boundaries are, and they don't really know what right, that right. is. They have to do an awful lot of soul searching. Well, come on over to craft, because they'll help you to understand. Identify the specifics of yes. how to move forward. Yes, yep. 
I so, see that. I yeah. can see that. So I'm telling lot. you, I mean, I, I did my Al-Anon and Naranon and it, I think saved me really, really saved me. Um, and then it was, it was other things that also pushed me to craft and, and, um, other groups. So not Al-Anon and Naranon. I sure. was, I was attending these other groups that are really in the Northeast. Um, you don't have them down here in, in Mississippi, but, um, in there, they, they kept telling everybody to section their loved one, put their loved, you know, section them. I don't think you have that in Mississippi. Do you have it where, so you can go to the courts and have your loved one oh. mandated? We can have yeah. them committed. Yeah. But only if you're a threat to yourself or others. No, you can have them committed to. Can you? If uh-huh. you're. Okay. Yeah. Is that the Baker Act? Would that be what that was? That's the Baker Act in other states. We don't, we just don't call it. In Massachusetts, we call it sectioning. Okay. It's a Section 35, but it's the same thing as a Baker Act. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that gets them in for a 72-hour hold and then... Or, or no, is this that, is mandated treatment. That's yeah. for treatment. Yeah. This okay. Is, this is treatment. And it's it's difficult to do. You do have to prove that they are a danger to somebody else or, mm-hmm. right, or to themselves kind of thing. But... Um, that was going to happen to me if I didn't go... Like they had the attorney lined up and all that. It happened to me once and it pissed me. (laughs) Well, I, you know what? I did um, have my son committed for suicidal ideations Mm -hmm. earlier and I never forgave myself for doing it because it didn't work out very well. And, you know, he spent a lot of time trying to hide things from me from then on. Like he would never now say. Right. But. Something was learned from him when that happened. So that was a profitable experience because he learned from it. You learned from it. Yes. So don't beat yourself up about well, that. Well, and we talk, he and I talk about it okay, now good. a lot, good, right? Good, good. Um, And I I apologize to him. I'm, you know, that's all I knew at the moment. Of and course. I was doing everything I could to you save you. You were doing the best that you right? could given yeah. what you knew and what you had right. in front of you. Right. And he is very, yet yeah, no mom, you you clearly loved me, right? Like right, that was right. the goal, right? You didn't want me to die. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Let's be clear here, Mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I was going to these other meetings and they were, everybody would come in. I was a facilitator and there were a whole bunch of us that were facilitators and people would come in and and they would say, I don't want to section again. I, you know, I sectioned my kid nine times and now they Jeez. hate me. Right. Right. And then 11 times and eight times. And and they would always go, well, we know a good lawyer and then you've got a section, I'm section, I'm section. And I was like, no, these people are saying they don't want, they don't want to do that. It's not working. Isn't this the definition of insanity? Right. Right. <laughs> right. right. And so, um, I thought about it. I had found the Allies and Recovery website. I was implementing craft. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, you got Al-Anon meetings, which are great. You got craft. Why don't we combine them and we'll make another meeting? So I created a group called Rest. And so I created these meetings that was a combination yeah. between the two. That it was like, okay, we're going to explore craft and I'm going to get people to go to the Allies and Recovery website and we're going to use that as curriculum. But it's a combination of the two because Al-Anon and Niranon 
this is all the stuff that they're they're saying you know we should right. do here's how you can do it i love that yeah was that a success is that still happening yeah actually the um the meetings are now on the website Okay, oh, so you can access them on the website. How Originally, often are those? they're Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesday oh, nights. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That is so interesting. Do you facilitate all of those? Or I do, you, do. Do you? I do. I'm. I also have a few other people that will sure. substitute in for me and stuff. But yep, I do. And we explore craft. We look at boundaries. We. Um, it's also a support group at the same time. Lots of support. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Al-Anon on steroids. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, okay, when someone goes to the website, because um, it's very easy when you go to some websites to get overwhelmed with um, all the options and information and different things. Like, so specifically, if you want to go to one of these meetings and check out what this is all about, where do you go once you get on the website? Okay, so that's a really good question. Let me start. Let me start at the beginning because okay. it's really important for um, the people of Mississippi to understand that this website is designed for families and friends of loved ones with substance use disorder. It is not for the fam- for the family member that has or is living with SUD. Mm-hmm. The other thing is um, we have the grant. It's free. For Mississippi residents. Which is huge. Right. Absolutely huge. Because actually, Kraft was originally just in the clinician's office. It was 12 weeks. Once you got your loved one into treatment, that was it. You didn't you didn't do it anymore. Um, that's like clinical craft. On the website, it's applied craft. Mm-hmm. It's for families that are trying, uh, that are working on prevention. If you have a loved one at risk. If you have a loved one using, or if you have a loved one in recovery, because as we all know, it's not like the problems end when someone goes into right. treatment. Yeah, right? it's it, it's an ongoing process. We're always problems. <laughs> <laughs> all we will of us be are problems. <laughs> <laughs> but it's across the continuum of care, so it's right. applied craft, right? You don't want to stop doing it. You want to keep doing it. And and the wonderful thing about it is. It really changes who you are as a person. Anyway, right. you become a fantastic communicator with everybody. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a wonderful. Hidden benefits. It's incredible, right? Um, so that's first off, if you're a Mississippi resident, all you got to do is put your zip code in for the promotion code mm-hmm. and it's free for you. That's okay. a, it's amazing. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. So then what do you do once you get on there? Yes. First thing you should do is actually sign up for something called a human touch call, and it'll come up when you're um, when you're getting registered, because a human touch call, um, you'll get a call with somebody, a Zoom meeting, and they will show you the website. They will show you where to go if you're in the middle of some crisis and you need help with something specific. They will tell you exactly where to go so that you're not spending eight hours searching the site, trying to figure out what's going to help you the most with whatever issue that you're struggling with. So if it's like 3 a.m. and there's a mom and she's just like, can't sleep because of this, can she get a human touch call then? No. She's got to sign up for... So, 
and let's we need to differentiate between what's a what's crisis <laughs> and what's chronic. Okay, that's chronic. That's not a crisis, okay. right? That's crisis is like someone's bleeding out, right? right. Like right. that's the. But you can. Let's say there is a recurring problem that you've got going on and you just don't know what to do. We are, you know, we're having these knockdown, drag out arguments and I can't, I can't, I don't know what to do. Schedule a human touch call. We're going to direct you exactly where you need to go on the website to get some support immediately. That's the first thing. Then, but that's uh, not required. It's just an optional benefit. Nope. Nothing's required. Okay. Everything is by, you get to design the program that's going to work for you. Perfect. <clears throat> I love so, control. <laughs> <laughs> Have well, you heard of Al-Anon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it alleviates a whole bunch of issues for people. Yeah. Right? Um, the other thing is, um, I can't even tell you where it is on the menu, but if you go to the... Left-hand side menu, <laughs> uh-huh. um, you want to go to the learning modules. That's the first step. Go okay. to the learning modules. There's eight modules on there with videos and activities. That's where you're going to learn craft. Okay. Right? And start at the first one? Doesn't matter. Okay. Doesn't matter. It's great if you do it in order and everything, but you know what? If you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm, you know, we're just, we're arguing all the time. And uh, you want to start in module four, which is the communication module. You can start there. Okay. It's okay. Um, so you're gonna you're gonna watch these modules. How long are they? That's a great question. So each video is no longer than about ten minutes. Perfect. Right. And then you do the activity that comes along with that particular video. What do you mean activity? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's let we'll we'll just kind of talk a little bit about that. So okay. we've got the communication module, which is module four. Very first video is called No Negative Talk. And it outlines what negative talk is. Which by the way, negative talk is everything that we family members are engaging in. So it's basically <laughs> that sums it up. Yeah. Basically what it's saying is be quiet and start to listen. <laughs> Um, uh, so, and then, so you watch the video, talks about no negative talk, all the different forms of it, sarcasm, being demanding, you know, uh, being aggressive, like all, all sorts of different things. And then there's the activity. So what that is, is a series of questions to help you to identify what is your negative talk. And the reason why you want to do this activity is you'd be surprised at what is considered negative talk. Um, and I'll just give you an example, me being a former high school math teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I love logic and statistical information, and I can spew it at you and tell you why your opioids are so bad for you. Right, and you right. should stop using. I can explain right? this whole thing to you. <laughs> yeah. Why can't you just listen? Yeah, and there is some negative talk for you, yeah. right? Like, how condescending is that? I right. have a funny feeling my son knows more about opioids than I do, right? right? Um, but that's the first step. Watch the video, do the activity, identify your negative talk, and then you're going to spend the next week practicing Hmm. no negative talk, which is not an easy thing to do. Right. Uh, um, But that's that's the premise of this. So now you're going to practice that before you go on to the next video. You're going to watch the next video, do any activities that come along with it, and practice those new skills 
practice, practice, practice. And that's the, that's the idea of these modules. It's amazing. I mean, it seems, it seems very almost kind of clinical, but free. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, it, just, it is clinical. Yeah. Right. Because that's what craft is, is um, it's a, it's psychological principles that have been put in a protocol. Yes. Yep. And so that's what it is. And it sounds like, it sounds like there's some work involved on your part, but it seems like the most worth it work you'll ever do. It is. Yeah. Right. It is. Yep. It is. And, and um, you'd be surprised if you pick something small to work on and you get these positive results within a really short period of time. That's what kept me coming back. It yeah. Like, oh, I changed my communication. I, I didn't yell at him and I didn't, you know, I didn't do it. And look at, he's talking to me. Right. <laughs> and then it was like, okay, I want to keep doing this. This might it actually is work. Working. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, um, so there's that. And you want to, you want to, um, you should be working on that. The wonderful thing, too, about the activities, they're called key observations. And we have, um, uh, participants have or members have the ability to save it. It's saved on the website. It's saved in real time, so you can go back and you can look at everything. And then, as things change, you can do it again. What do you and mean? See how things have changed. So you save your answers. Okay. Right to the activities. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you get to save your answers in the key observation. You can go back later. You can open them up. You can look at what. You know, what were my answers? Right. How Where was my changed? head at this time? Yeah, exactly. That is so Yeah, cool. and then you can do it again. Right. And improve and, upon it. Yeah, and improve upon it. So that might be that. my favorite part. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, if you go to, again, on the left hand side, the top. <laughs> Sounds top like icon. somebody knows what she's yeah, talking about. I know about exactly. Here. I've only been there a thousand <laughs> times. Um, but the if you go to the members page, and you just scroll through the members page, all of the different virtual options are on there. So those evening meetings, the right. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, educational support groups. Um, we have one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching. So you can schedule a half an hour appointment for a, a family coach and get some family coaching on your specific issue and maybe how you're trying to apply craft and amazing yep. we have a we have a support group we have um we have a one-day training a five hour craft immersive training okay um and so in order to get that for free because it's typically about 250 dollars if you do half of the modules in about a 10-day period you get it for free. Oh, that's oh, pretty wow. cool. Um, and you can take it twice. Um, that particular training is also designed around the participants. So you come in and you um, you raise whatever issues you want to talk about. Like, I'm struggling with boundaries. Can we cover boundaries today? And that's what you cover Perfect. that day. Um, there are skills groups on Mondays and Thursdays drop in skills groups on Mondays and Thursdays. What time? Um, so um, everything's Eastern times, but I think you're an hour, an hour behind us. So 
Um, Mondays and Thursdays would be 11 to 12.30. Okay. Um, and I'm trying to think, is there anything else? There are other things on there. <laughs> um, then, okay, so that's all the, that's all the human, in, that's it, human interaction. You're going to have human interaction in those. It's all virtual. It's a huge, that's a huge piece of the puzzle. Right. You get a lot of that human support. Um, you get to talk to somebody about it. Right. right? right. Um, and then if you go to the top menu bar. And we must, I, I must say this because when families are struggling with those that are struggling with drugs and alcohol, it, I, from what I've heard, I've never been in this particular situation with my son yet. Hopefully it never happens. But He just said yes. Um, <laughs> Please no. Hey, Riley. <laughs> remember that talk we had? Love you, son. Love you. Uh, also, don't fuck up. Um, um, it can be an incredibly lonely place for, family, for, for parents. Um, just a devastatingly stark, dark place in their life and to have that human touch uh, with somebody that is genuinely has been there themselves yep. more than likely and they have walked through it maybe crawled through it at times yep. but they're now willing to talk with you and share that light with you having that aspect to a family member that's really struggling and feels completely shut off from the rest of the world. They can't go to church and say, Hey, my son, blah, blah, blah. They could probably, but they choose not to because mm -hmm. fear of stigma. You know, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so to have that human touch is unbelievably, we, we, we can't underscore that. I mean, that's huge. So it is, it is, it, it totally is. And I'm glad you bring that up because this is what I see in those evening groups a lot. Right. I see a lot of family members will come into those groups um, to start off. Right. And first off, they come in, they're virtual and they come in and their screens are off. They're right. petrified of letting the screen down. But the wonderful thing about having a virtual group is your neighbors have no idea that you're sitting in there. Right. Right. right? Yeah. You can make your dinner. And sit in the group. Right, yeah. Right? You're not in traffic. You know, there's a whole bunch of things. But the other thing is, and and oftentimes I see this, families come in and they are so beaten down and feel so guilty. And, you know, the words, like, we don't, one of the first things we do in the meeting is we talk about language, that we're always changing language. And two words that are the most stigmatizing words for family members and believe me, families are stigmatized. We are blamed. We are shamed. And then we live vicariously through our loved ones. And we feel every every sting and every bite that our loved ones go through when it comes through sti you know, it right. comes to stigma. But um, Can I guess one of the words? Yes, go ahead. Is it enabling? Oh, God. I hate it. <laughs> it's like, take a knife and just stab me in the stomach with it. Yeah. Turn. Can you guess the second one? You're good at this. Go on. <laughs> uh, I can't, but I can explain why I knew enabling. Yeah. Because when I first, in just all honesty, when I first heard about the the method of um, craft, my first thought was because I I got the tough love and I got like cut off, um, which honestly worked for me, but. I've recently come to learn that multiple things work and not just one thing. So what do you say to people that 
do th- like that was my first thought like is this enabling because it seems so nice <laughs> so I'm glad you bring that up too because that's a really important piece people think when they're coming into craft or allies and recovery and they're going to learn these craft skills because they are compassionate loving and understanding that we're all going to have a lovely flower dance and we're just going to tiptoe around and just let everybody do whatever they want to do. And it, yeah. There's that no is flower not dance? It. Yeah, there is. No. <laughs> oh, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, honestly, people, I and I hear it all the time, new families come in and they're like, I went home and I tried that communication skill and it didn't work. And I'm like, well, what do you mean it didn't work? What, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, did you think you were going to go home and implement a skill and your loved one was going to get on board with it all? <laughs> right? Like, And you yeah. were going to hold a lovely flower conversation? No, that is not it. What it is, is this. You are going to learn to be a better communicator so that you can have really challenging, difficult conversations and you don't lose control. Not your loved one. Your loved one's probably going to lose control. Right. Right. And I recently had a mom say to me, how can I have a conversation and convince my son to accept what I'm saying? And I smiled and said, you can't. That's cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's adorable. But that is not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> right. Expect we have to focus it. on being okay with us. Right. It's how am I going to present? Am I going to be helpful? Or am I going to be hurtful? Right. It is not. I like that. It is not. So, and people think that it's, it's, you're either, you know, you're either going to be demanding or you're going to be a doormat. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're not demanding, then you must be a doormat and you must be, li- no, actually we don't want you to be, um, in your communication. It's not about being aggressive. It's also not about being, uh, passive. It's about being assertive. And what does assertive? Assertive. Right. Exactly. Assertive and bringing my own values to the table. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable with that. And that's just not going to happen here because these are my needs. That you're so good at explaining this whole thing. And so the things that you're saying are really like sinking in with me to questions like that I really had, like because I was I was confused about it and it just, it makes so much sense. And it just seems like a family member will get so much more peace with this method, no matter what the circumstance, like. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And it takes a while, right? It takes a while because the other thing to remember and, and um, the other thing to remember is that we do something called a functional analysis, In a functional analysis, you do two of them with any kind of challenging behavior that your loved one is exhibiting. You want to do a functional analysis so that you can understand it, right? So you understand what the internal triggers are for that person, meaning their thoughts and their feelings. Understand what's going on in the environment that triggers people to behave a particular way. Then you understand the behavior then you need to understand the positive consequences to the person exhibiting the behavior and the negative consequences. But what's interesting is the reason why you want to do this with your loved one is because it helps you to understand that they're not doing this to you. This is not about doing something to hurt you. 
It's not. In fact, in the majority of the time, it's to protect themselves. It's to keep from hurting you because they're so afraid of hurting you. Right. Right. I need these drugs in order to not be an asshole. I need these drugs right. to be okay. I need these drugs I and alcohol. I have anxiety. I have anxiety. I'm it's depressed. Drugs and alcohol are a solution until they are not. Right. And it doing this functional analysis allows family members to get a much better look at it. Yeah, we can do the internal triggers and people will come out with things like, because he's trying to manipulate me. Okay, yeah, he probably is. Why is he trying to manipulate you? Come on. He wants oh. to What's ensure he that he can drink and use to get that medicine that he needs to right. feel okay. Right. And then has nothing so now to do with, nothing it's to do got with nothing you. to do with me, really. Right. It, it really doesn't, other than trying to protect me, maybe. Sure. Right. And I mean, I, I ask the group this question all the time. Okay, everybody, I want everybody in here. If you are using heroin for three years now, three years, I don't care if you're 25, I don't care if you're 60. I don't care if you're 90 and your mother comes to you and says, are you using heroin? How many, what would you say? I haven't yet to find a parent that would say. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know what? I do. You know what? I'm glad you brought that up. Yes. I, I have, I have been shooting heroin. Right. Yes. For the last three years. And then I asked the parents, why, why would you lie to your mother? Why would you lie? Right. Because I don't want to hurt her. Okay. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Right. There it is. So this functional analysis allows you to understand it a little bit better, to understand why the individual behaves the way they behave. Then there's the other side of it. So now there is the positive consequences of the behavior. Let's say using, right? Right. Now they go and they use this substance. There's positive consequences. Anxiety goes away. My depression goes away. I feel normal. Let's talk about the negative consequences. The other, what's interesting about that is we can list a whole bunch of negative consequences, but a lot of the time I get negative consequences that the family member thinks the loved one is experiencing. But when you look at it, the loved one is, that's not a negative, con they're not. So for example, um, oh my God, stop smoking pot. It's destroying your life. It's making you lazy. And your loved one's like, what the heck are you talking about? Helps me chill out. Yeah. Right. Right. I can and sleep. it's like, I can relax. Right, right. So then you've got the family member going, they're in denial. I'm like, they're not in denial. It's working for them. Right. Yeah. It's, exactly. They're we, not in denial. It's working for them. Right. It they're works chilling until out. It right. <laughs> it, right. Exactly. But when it's a problem, they know it. And right. then they might lie to you. Right. Because so they're never really in denial. They know when it's a problem for them. They Absolutely. just don't want you to know that right. it's a problem for them. Yeah. Because you're not a safe space right now to share that with. Right? Okay. So there's that. And then we do a functional analysis on the family member and their response to their, to their loved one's behavior. Okay. So let's say they're asking for $40 for gas money, but mom knows. Uh, I don't know where that $40 is really going. Right. Right. But $40 I is do. an awful lot of gas. <laughs> yeah, it's an awful I know lot exactly of gas. Yeah, I do too. That's I hear some great math right I hear, there. Yeah, I hear 40 I go, oh, God, right? $40. I know where this is going. Um, but 50 often, cents in the gas tank and the rest yeah, is Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You have no idea. That that's way I'm not lying. That way I'm not lying. It was for gas. That's right. That's I right. put gas in. I also spent $39.50 on dope. 
Yeah, well, here... But I didn't lie. Well, here we go. Well, here we go. I'm glad you bring that up because let me tell you what the family members, what I'm thinking before I give them the $40, even though I know that $40 is probably going into the gas tank or or probably going into their arm or... Right. Right? Okay. So let me tell you what my internal triggers are and why I give that $40. You know, maybe he is really going to use it for gas money and not for drugs or you know I, I think I think I want him to know that I trust him you know um I get to be the hero yeah there's a bit of that uh, yeah yeah, yeah. I, um you know what um maybe he'll put some of it in the gas tank some of it on drugs and that way I get to control how much he's using mm. right how about this? Well, at least if I give her $40, she doesn't have to engage in sex work in order to get her money. Yeah. Okay, so... That's so a hard pill to swallow, but it happens, I'm sure. Oh, well, but that's... This is the whole thing, right. is I need to identify what my internal triggers, what are my thoughts and feelings? Yeah. Why do I, right, give the $40? This is why. These are some pretty powerful things for a family member, right? Absolutely. To be grappling with in our own minds. We're being traumatized, too, with having to have to make that decision. Yeah. Right? And then there's also the environmental triggers for us. He's pressuring me. He's called me at work. My boss is looking at me. My, you know, I might lose my job. I mean, there's all these in it, pressures going on around me to go ahead and just give him the $40 and, and let it end. And then there's positive consequences afterwards for my behavior for giving the forty dollars. Right. I do feel like the hero. Hey guys, my son was wicked affectionate when he was. <laughs> yeah, he was, and I felt right, really right. loved. Right, it was the only time that he was. Love you, mom. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, It's a great feeling. And then the negative consequences. If you look at the negative consequences, it's, it's um. All of those positive consequences to me were short term. They were the quick fix. Right. Yeah. I got my forty dollars I gave him the forty dollars. I'm relieved of all those triggers like that. Just like my loved one was relieved of their triggers like that. And then I'm left with long term consequences. I'm resentful. I'm angry. That's what I w- that brings me to my next question. Do you ever just have, and I'm, I'm asking this from a place of pure curiosity because I haven't been in the situation myself. He's asking for a friend. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, do you ever have days where your, your thought process is, you little shit, I put in so much work into ensuring that I'm okay and you're okay and you suck. I hate this. Why can't my life just be normal? Why do I have to put in so much work because this asshole acts a fool all the time. Do you ever get resentful towards your loved one for being an alcoholic and addict and just kind of just daydreaming like, wow, what could I be doing right now if I wasn't completely immersed in working on stuff that's surrounding this kid? How do you deal with that? Do you come across those thoughts and feelings of you suck? Just why can't you just be normal? Does that ever cross your prick? All I hear you talking about is all of this work that you've put into, into 
everything that is surrounding your love with uh, loved one. Do you ever just do you ever just struggle with like I don't want to put any more work in. I'm tired. I'm I just want to be I want to live a normal life. Okay. Okay. How do you handle that? Okay, wait a minute. So there's, there's a whole bunch here. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a, a lot. lot. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk about this. Um yeah, I got pity parties. Yeah. I love me some pity parties. I do. I believe in them. I think everybody <laughs> should have them. I do. Put on some warm fuzzy socks, get yourself some Ben and Jerry's, hop in and watch a watch a really sad movie and do some crying, bring some tissues, but don't stay there. Right. Don't stay there. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I I have. I've gotten in the car that ooh, that Right. <laughs> I'm trying not to swear. We're not regulated by the FCC. Yeah. Oh, we can okay. say whatever we want. <laughs> well, yeah. we are. Yeah, yeah, she's oh, right. <laughs> but yeah. Organization. <laughs> yeah, I do. I yeah. Yeah, like, oh, he's so selfish and you know, and all right, of that kind yeah. of stuff. But I'm also going to tell you on the flip side of it all. Please. I am so I have so much gratitude that I had the opportunity to go through this, that my son's addiction changed me, right? That I got to be a better person. And so all the work that I put in, yeah, it's for him, but it's also for me. A hundred percent. It's also for me. And look at all the good you're doing and all of the beautiful lives that you're changing as a result of his addiction. Yeah. And the people that I've met, Right. Right. The the fact that, you know, I I meet so many people in recovery, so many people that have struggled through life and I would never have met them. I wouldn't know them. And boy, oh boy, am I blessed. Am I a blessed person to now appreciate probably the most vulnerable population that's out there? Yeah. Right. And I don't think, you know, I always did see addiction as an illness. Like I never really looked at people and, and thought, you know, that people were doing that on purpose or whatever, because I know it just, that just doesn't make sense. Like why would anybody want to do that? Right. I'm going to ruin my life. Yeah. I don't like you. Right. I always believed that there was something else, but now I deep within my soul really believe that, 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 you know, people were stuck in the perfect storm you know, whether it's um, biological factors with mental illness, with trauma, with, you know, a predisposition and then being exposed to a particular substance or, you know, to me, I can't punish people because of that. I can't. Um and so, yeah, I'm resentful. I'm resentful every once in a while. Sure. Um, but I'm also on the flip side of it. I can't tell you, like, I never would have been here if I if it wasn't for that. And I was a high school math teacher. I love teaching. I love math. You have no idea how much. I will wear a clown outfit. I will squeak <laughs> my nose if I can get you to do a math problem, right? I love it. But that teaching experience is what brought that teaching experience is what I have now brought to the table for training families in helping them with craft. And just recently, two weekends ago, I saw a girlfriend who who um, kind of was on my journey with me 
uh, with my son, um, she was the first person that I called actually when he overdosed that first time. And, um, she said to me, um, you're a great teacher, but this is what you learned to teach so that you could do this. Mm. This is what you, your purpose and what you were intended to do. And it's right. It's, it's true. It is. It is. So yeah, I'm resentful, but also, no, um, and I think a part of the reason why I'm, I'm so grateful um, is because I did find craft, and it did shift my life and did change who I am, and, and it allowed me to see all the beautiful things that I have in my life. It allowed me, I mean, this is one of the interactive things, the skills that I learned was that to turn and focus on the positive things that my son is doing. But that also t- helped remind me that, you know, I'm freaking blessed. I don't just have a son with addiction. I'm, I'm lucky because so many people have lost their loved one, and I still have my right. loved one. I have an incredible husband, and I have two beautiful daughters. I have incredible friends. I continue to meet all these strong, incredible individuals in my life. I no, this is where I'm supposed to be, and this is just my life. I'm lucky. I'm lucky. That. I'm blessed. I love that so much, and I just I'm so proud of you. Like I'm like genuinely proud of you because. You could have stayed on the couch and you could have made all these other decisions and you've been through so much and you've, I don't know, you just are a warrior, Like you're going to make me crap, <laughs> but it's true. And Thank like, you. I'm so grateful for you and I'm so grateful to get to know you and that you're out there, you know, just for these families and like championing them and, um, Oh my God, I'm like so <laughs> But it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. And I'm just, I don't know, I'm so grateful to to get to know you. And well, I'm very proud of you. Well, this is the whole thing. We need to get as many families as we can. Absolutely. To the website, right? I really, you know, I want to get connected to people. I want to help people. Um, and I want families to know that there's help out there. There's... There's so much help. It can really shift and change your life. Whether your loved one goes into long-term recovery or not, right? Whether they're actually using substances or not, whether they have recurrences or not, you know. Uh, ultimately, the goal, of course, is we, we want people in recovery. We want people living the best lives that they can live. But, but for family members, come on. Yes. Yes. Come on, we got to stick together. We got to be together. And it's alliesinrecovery.net. Mhm. And yep. then they just got to enter their zip code. Yep. And yeah, we're we're going to we're going to post that on um probably the Facebook page. Um we'll put that on uh the Recovery Lab uh website under Recovery Resources. We'll I'll add a link there as well. Um how else can people get in touch with you? Good question. Um, you can email me at lcmac11 at comcast.net. Um, reach out anytime. I get all sorts of emails. Say that one more time for <laughs> us. It's 
lcmac11 at comcast.net. Awesome. Well, Lori, thank you so much for being here. Um, Thank you to Cedar Horizons Project for, you know, funding this for Mississippians. We really want to just provide as many resources as we can for, um, for, you know, people in substance use, you know, and then the families that are affected by it as well. And so, so grateful for you. I'm grateful for Allies in Recovery and, um, Daniel, thank you so much. Of course. Thank you, you all for coming above here. And beyond. Yeah, for, no worries. You know, anyone. So was, thank you. It, this is really, really wonderful. Thank you so much for coming. And thank you. Thank you. Thanks to both of you for having me and uh, giving me this space and time uh, to talk about everything. To yeah. To talk about my story, <laughs> to talk about everything. So this was great. You're an incredible person. And um, I'm grateful that you came in today. And so thank you. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, and uh, we'll see you. I think we, I think we'll see you on Sunday with our regularly scheduled uh, Recovery Lab podcast. All right, guys, y'all take care. Mm-hmm.